Welcome back to the Redefining Anger podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Roy, a self-motivated force turned recovering perfectionist. After experiencing the traumatic and sudden loss of my father, turning to anger as a form of protection while living in a state of survival, and facing the wake-up call that I needed nearly two years later, I found community and began a journey of growth and deep internal healing. I'm on a mission to normalize feeling. I believe that getting quiet with yourself and really feeling what needs to be felt is the key to building a relationship of trust and self-respect with yourself. I created this space to vulnerably share my journey with you, how I'm learning to navigate life after loss, and how feeling alive and abundant is still possible. I believe in the power of sharing our stories, and my hope is that my story can empower you to navigate yours. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I have Morgan Ruff. Morgan is an emotional freedom coach who works with wild women and wild souls who somehow got lost in the woods. She guides them back to their intuition so that they can trust themselves and stand more clearly in their own center. She does this by exploring the wild nature of our feelings, thoughts, and beliefs, and how these inform our life actions. By digging into themselves, women find the freedom to live a life more authentically aligned with their wildest nature and truest dreams. Morgan is a mama of two wild girls and lives in Mount Vernon, Washington, where she spends her days working for a tribal community facilitating endangered species recovery for our beloved Pacific Northwest salmon and killer whales. Through her life, she's been a kayak guide in Alaska, a boat captain, naturalist, elite level cyclist, and has climbed the summit to some of the notable peaks in the area. Currently, she is navigating parenting, work, and a coaching business, all of which are guided by her desire to be a wild woman. Follow her and drop a DM on Instagram at Morgan Ruff Uplift. If you're looking for more direct support, feel free to also check out her website, www.morganruff.com. In this episode, Morgan shares her wisdom and life experiences and why she defines herself as a wild woman, wild in so many different ways. Through her own journey of discovering emotional freedom, Morgan had to uncomfortably practice putting boundaries into place. She had to push back on relationships that no longer served her, including her husband's family. Morgan realized she had built her life on an unstable foundation and had to rebuild herself from the bottom up. Morgan shares this incredible journey, how she learned to work with her anger, and get herself to a place of trust and forgiveness for herself and others. Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something for you. Are you a female entrepreneur looking to grow your business while also maintaining your time and energy? I am a pitching professional that can help you do just that. My personalized approach is guaranteed to help you attract qualified clients that are aligned with your mission and values, build authentic relationships and connections in your business, and develop your authority as a thought leader and own your voice. Be seen. Expand your reach authentically. If you've been wanting to increase your visibility, don't wait. Reach out to me on Instagram at runningongrit. That's at running.on.grit 
or by email runningongrit at gmail.com without any periods runningongrit at gmail.com and let's have a conversation I want to help you grow your business not sure if pitching is aligned with your business model let's have a conversation anyway so we can determine that together let's co-create Welcome back to the Redefining Anger podcast. I have a wonderful guest with me here today, Morgan Ruff. Morgan and I, so Morgan is actually a coach inside of the community that I'm a part of. And so that is how Morgan and I originally connected. And we had the pleasure of meeting each other in person very recently um, at a leadership retreat that we both attended. And it was such a pleasure meeting her in the flesh. And now I am honored to have her here as a guest on the podcast, Morgan, um, I, I would say she identifies herself as a wild woman, and is- I'm going to let her explain why. So Morgan, welcome, and can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, oh, I'm so excited to to be here, and it was so wonderful to meet you in person. Like this whole emergence of being able to reconnect in person has just really been feeding my soul, and I just am so grateful for that. So hi, everybody. Um, So I am Morgan. I live in the Pacific Northwest in Washington State. And when you say I define myself as a wild woman, that is wild in so many different ways. So I grew up very, very connected to nature and very, very connected to place. And I've really carried that through in my career, in my passions, in my um, hobbies. So I was a wilderness guide up in Southeast Alaska for 10 years. I've been a boat captain. I have um, done things like lead groups down the Grand Canyon. I have, uh, you know, moved to Hawaii on a whim and spent two months with the humpback whales just hanging out and And so, you know, living a very wild and free life is very, very important to me. It's also like translated into, I have kind of two different passions that I hold in my J-O-B job world. I am a a person who works in endangered species recovery here in the Northwest. So I work for a Native American tribe helping to recover uh, their first foods, which are salmon um, which are threatened under the Endangered Species Act. And then also I, um, I call myself an emotional freedom coach. I'm somebody who has seen how our kind of unaddressed emotions affect the way the world is moving forward. And to me, change starts all with ourselves. And that's because I had that personal experience and I saw how my emotions um, being kept on check or, or being dysregulated was just uh, filtering out into the world in the way that I met people in my job, in the way that I was supporting my family, in the way that I was connecting or disconnecting from others. And I did the work to begin the healing process. I'm somebody who feels like you probably never healed. The work never stops, but, um, And I saw how all my relationships changed and it got better and I got happier and I got calmer and I was more able to have space and resilience to actually handle disturbances when they came in 
without you know exploding like a volcano. So um, my other job that I am work on is helping people, women mostly, also find that space and inner resilience within themselves to be able to to hold um, those kind of those little sparks that may come into life and allow you to know how to trust yourself that you can find a pathway toward a more emotionally free life. And, you know, I've been working on that and I, it's one of my passions in life. So to be wild to me is, you know, one, like the physical wild being in nature, being super connected to who you are and the simplicity of that. And also being wild and free in the way that you can express yourself, show up as yourself, be um, who you need to be in this world in order to be the change maker that we we all need um, for this world, the society that we're living in. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And I think, <laughs> you know, when I, you know, obviously I connect with you uh, over Zoom, you know, monthly at a minimum, right? Um, on our calls inside of our community. And then, you know, we also have our uh, community channel internally that we connect through. But when I, when I had the opportunity to meet you recently, I realized how deeply connected you are um, to yourself and to nature. And I just think that that's so beautiful. And I see you as such an inspiration because for me, myself, like connecting with my intuition is something that I work on regularly. Um, and I'd be lying if I said it was, it wasn't a challenge. Right. <laughs> and so what I'd love to know from you, um, cause I know that you have a, an interesting story. I've heard you kind of share your story yeah. when you entered the, you know, the community that we are in, when you first entered the community, you were at a low place, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you started your healing journey, um, in discovery, like to discover like the emotional freedom aspect of it and how to, you know, regulate your emotions when you started down that journey, discover that before you enter the community or was that really kind of integrated into you after you, you know, after you sought help, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a long and winding road and it's, you know, we all want our healing journey to just be this like straight arrow and you just go straight out. And for me, it's been like this squiggly line and backwards and forwards and, you know, kind of gasping for breath as you come out. Um, so I would say like, I really started to notice, uh, the challenges that I have in my own regulation, probably in my early thirties. And, you know, I was going through a transition from working in Alaska where I was out all summer long on a boat, just like, you know, nobody could pre cell phones. Right. So nobody could contact me. I was independent and just so in my element to, you know, starting to transition into a more like, um, quote unquote, professional lifestyle. So I went to grad school and then I started to work for Washington State. And um, and in that time, I started to notice like, whoa, there's, you know, there's an undercurrent of unhappiness that really resides inside of me. And, and I think it was that tension of wanting to, quote unquote, grow up and get a real job versus, but my heart, my passion is in this, like being very, very free. Um and I was doing a lot of interesting things. Like I, um, I dove headfirst into bike racing. So I was a, a cyclist and that is a very type, a hard driving, 
push very hard, train just like a mad woman type of experience. And at the same time, I was working 50 hours a week plus um, in my job. Just everything that I was doing was push, 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 push. And a large part of that was because inside I was like, I have to prove my worth be to the world by overperforming. So, you know, I did great things. Like I um, won state races. I was a Washington state champion and I um, really moved the needle on the work side, but inside I was really dying and I was really um, not listening and hearing myself. So in my mid thirties, I, I got married a little later and that's, I think when like some of the big challenges really started, I, I, I'm so grateful now looking back on it, but at the time I have a mother-in-law that I would say is one of my greatest teachers. So she and I would trigger each other just to no end. And she and I were both very short fused people. So she would escalate and um, express herself in a very aggressive way. And then I would escalate and either collapse like, oh my God, woe is me, I can't do anything, or defend, and I would get very aggressive. So this funny dynamic began to develop between my mother-in-law and I, and it was really challenging. I didn't quite have the tools to deal with it. So, you know, during this time, I was starting to th see therapists, and I was starting to um, explore the space, but I also wasn't really giving myself I wasn't really listening to myself. I was just kind of checking, checking off the boxes, trying to like just move through life and do the things that I knew I wanted. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to be a professional. I wanted to be an athlete, you know, and it was just all high intensity. Um, and so after I did get married and had kids is really when things started to totally fall apart for me. Um, it was like my body had been sending me signals for 10 years, eight years, and I just kept on ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. And it was after the birth of my second child um, that I hit rock bottom. I just, I, I couldn't function anymore. So I, I'm somebody who experienced postpartum depression and then, um, had some, uh, f family trauma that came up. Um, my brother revealed some stuff and he ended up like experiencing PTSD and we went through a period of very challenging times trying to figure out how to support him and support a family member who was experiencing severe mental health issues. Um, young family still trying to work and it just all of the like I had built my life on this foundation that was very unstable and it just all came crashing down. And I had to literally rebuild myself from the bottom up. And so that was the time that I began to invest in coaching, actually really show up for my therapy sessions, you know, <laughs> not just sort of arrive, dial it in, and then leave and continue the same patterns, but actually really look at what could happen. And then it's also a time that, like, I had to really push back and push out on relationships that were really 
no longer serving me. So I went through a period about a year and a half where I, um, you know, I was in arguments with my my beloved mother-in-law, I call her my beloved mother-in-law now because I still, I call on her now and I'm so grateful for her. But at the time, I didn't know how to manage my own emotions. And so um, she would say something and I would just spin off, you know, into oblivion. And then that would trigger her and she would do the same. And we were just kind of feeding this fire inside of each other. And so um, it was extremely hard, but I took a year and a half of not talking to anybody in that fam in my husband's family because I couldn't trust myself. I couldn't I couldn't trust that I was going to be able to manage myself if there was another trigger. And at the same time, you know, I have my stress of my my own family of origin um stuff that's going on and young children and I just that time, um, though it was incredibly challenging, and like at that time, it almost caused my marriage to fall apart because it created so much tension between my husband and I. Um, it was so powerful because I continued to show up and do the work for myself during that time. So I wasn't willing to just allow my anger, my rage to drive the ship. It was very present and I had to learn how to work with it, but I was so committed to maintaining my relationship with my husband that I showed up and I, you know, did the emotion, uncomfortably emotional work for myself with, on my mother-in-law. I didn't, I quit drinking. I completely changed my lifestyle. I reduced my work hours so that I could take more time for myself. I just was so committed to finding freedom. And I tried on so many different things until finally, 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 like the door started to open and I could breathe. And in that breath, I began to reconnect with my mother-in-law. I began to reconnect with my family in healthier ways. And um, it's been a long journey. I mean, this is five years of work, but finally I think Yes, we still have instances where we trigger each other. Yes, there are times when we are not as connected as I would like. But what the difference is, I trust that I can handle the the challenge when it comes. And I trust myself. And I know that I can go back to my tools anytime I need to and work through a situation and ultimately find forgiveness, forgiveness for myself for not being perfect and not always having the perfect emotional response and forgiveness for the other person for they also are imperfect and I can allow that for them. Um, so that's all a lot of loose terms, but hopefully that describes a little bit of my, my journey. It's, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. And there's that term again, wild. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I was going to say just there when you said, you know, through all of your work and being able to find that breath, kind of like that breath of fresh air. And now, you know, you can trust yourself um, and forgive yourself and then also have that same empathy on others. And that that is true emotional freedom. Yeah. 
Um, and I just think that's so beautiful. I was writing down some notes as you were talking. There was a few words that came to me. Uh, so free was one of them and boundaries was mm -hmm. the other. So I want to start with boundaries mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you mentioned that you had to make a difficult decision, uh, to take the action of kind of separating yourself from your husband's family, um, because you couldn't trust yourself it, to be, to not be reactive in the moment of a trigger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I see that as a boundary. You set that boundary for yourself. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, how that played a role in your life and also like even in your husband's life with his family, like how did people react to that boundary? Cause I think so often women have a hard time setting boundaries because we worry about how it'll impact the other, even though yeah. it, it'll be freeing for us. And then also how, um, how do you set your boundaries now? Yeah, I think this is such a good conversation. So boundaries um, are something, it's a skill that I absolutely had to learn. So part of what I think my journey was, was that I continually abandoned myself to please other people. So in doing so, I wasn't respecting or setting or creating any boundaries. I was constantly kind of manipulating my own self to help other people feel better. And in doing so, disrespecting what my true needs were. And so when it came to the point where I had to set that very firm boundary, it was shocking. It was shocking to me. It was shocking to them. It was shocking to my husband. It was shocking to my family. They're like, oh my God, if she can do that here, she might do that here. So every element of my life reacted. And oftentimes when you are new to setting boundaries and it's, um, a new school skill that you're learning, it can feel extremely awkward and it can be done in a way that maybe isn't as graceful as you had hoped it to be. And so in that you have to give yourself a lot of compassion and grace to say, I'm learning something new and it's challenging for me and it's challenging for others. So in that experience, um, and I've seen this happen again and again and again, when I set additional boundaries in my life is that oftentimes people will push back to test you to see how firm that boundary truly is. And it's so challenging to continually show up and ask yourself from a calm, loving place, is this boundary still appropriate? Or is this reaction something that I should shift for? And that's what I, I had the support of a therapist and I was able to kind of work through it like every week. Is this still where I need to be? And really check in with my body, really check in with my, my heart and say, okay, no, this is still an appropriate place for me to be. But every time like, you know, you receive an explosive text and to not respond back, that's a boundary. And it is so hard because you know that other person is hurting. And as somebody who wants everybody in my life to feel happy and loved and connected, um, 
it's a really hard thing to know that something that you are doing that is ultimately going to be healing for yourself and hopefully for others. Um, it's hard to know that you're making other people uncomfortable, but the cost of not doing it is so high is so high. So I think, especially as you're first learning boundary setting, Again, it can feel really abrupt and um, rigid. And as you learn and begin to, so, and I needed that because I needed to, like I said, learn to trust myself, learn to trust that I could truly hold a boundary and that other people could eventually learn to respect it. So it's a part of it is teaching people how you want to be treated and not letting them boss you around, <laughs> not letting them push you around. Um, yeah. But yeah, as you are stepping into that space, um, expecting that there's going to be little uppers. You know, I'm a mom. So like you set a boundary with your kids and you're like, you know, no sugar or whatever. And yeah, they're going to push back because they want to know how firm is that boundary where does that boundary start? Where does that boundary start and end? How am I in relation to, to mom? And so that testing is really like, how safe am I in the situation, my kids? How, how much can I trust that mom's going to really stick to her guns? And also some of the testing might be like, for me now, I'm like, oh, that was a really firm boundary. Is that truly where I feel like I need to be? Or is there a little grace space there? Like, is it, can it be a little bit softer? Okay, well, we're going to have a little sugar in this place, in this place, but we're going to try to eliminate it in whatever, day to day or as much. So I think that as I have grown with this relationship with boundaries, I've been able to begin to um, look at how it's happening, where it's happening and, and kind of question like, okay, am I setting that boundary because I feel out of control and I'm feeling like I need to control, or is this a boundary because I do feel like it's going to be the most beneficial thing for myself or my family or others? Yeah. What came first, Morgan, would you say that, um, learning the art of setting boundaries, would you say that that helped you to find that connection with yourself and trusting your intuition or would you say that it took some trust to build those boundaries or is it interchangeable yeah I think they um go together and it's like they both grow together um you know I had to trust myself and trust my husband that if this, you know, that setting this boundary wasn't going to cause us to fall apart. Um, but yeah, I had been working on trying to figure out how to hear myself for a little while before I finally was able to kind of stand up for myself and say, no, I'm not going to be treated this way. So I don't know. It's an interesting question. I think, uh, you know, they grow together though. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Cause you know, even in how you were describing, um, 
how now you can look at a boundary and, and question, is this right for me? Or am I, am I looking to just try to control the situation or, you know, uh, it takes a lot of trust in knowing and knowing that, but you have, you have to start somewhere. You got to set, you know, when you're, especially when you're starting down, you know, a healing journey and really trying to, um, regulate those emotions and really try to build that connection with yourself. But boundaries are so important. I know that's, that's something that we speak about so often inside of our community. Yeah. Um, is like learning how to set boundaries. So incredibly, I was going to say hard, uh, but <laughs> I'll say uncomfortable um, for women to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've all kind of been conditioned to believe that we're supposed to give, 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 and that um, to sacrifice ourselves is really our highest purpose. And um, we all know that when we do that, when we're just like giving, giving, giving to everybody else, and we forget to fill our own cup, like really unhappy things can happen. Unhappy yeah. things, like volatile, challenging things really do happen. Absolutely. And I think anger lives in that space a lot. You know, when we give and give so much of ourselves without implementing any boundaries, um, there's, there's a lot of anger that can be, that can be exposed then. Yeah. And I feel like anger comes up when boundaries aren't respected. And that was really a lot of what I experienced. So I wasn't expressing what the boundary was before. And so anger was just seething under the surface so frequently because I was constantly allowing unexpressed boundaries to be violated. Um, and like when I am able to set a boundary and hold it for myself, I find that the anger, you know, you still may feel feelings of anger, but you're like, it's so much easier to release it because suddenly you're respecting yourself. And so, you know, I have, you know, anger and resentment live really close together in my world. And um, oftentimes resentment is just unexpressed anger. And I use like the analogy of a volcano because that's truly what it feels like to me of like I have a very short yellow zone sometimes if I'm not really paying attention. So hopefully everybody understands until like when I say green zone, that means you're calm, cool, collected, and just feeling really regulated and great. Red zone is um, okay, I'm I'm exploding and bubbling over. And then the yellow zone is the space between. And um what I often work on is having more emotional tolerance in that yellow zone, like giving myself some more spaciousness in the yellow zone so that I can um, not trigger so quickly into the red zone. Um, but that means that I have to spend a lot of time cultivating the green zone as well. So um, yeah, the, like, so during that time, like when I was really kind of out of whack, um, I had no yellow zone. It just went, or maybe I was just constantly living in my yellow zone. I had no green zone, but it just so quickly would, would get triggered as soon as like, uh, you know, something, a line would be crossed. But a large part of that was because I wasn't expressing my needs and my wants and desires. I was just... Um, letting people walk over those. And then it built that undercurrent of resentment 
And then that resentment so quickly would fuel into anger. Yes. You yeah. are like speaking. Right, <laughs> it's like you're pulling the words right from me. I relate with that so much, Morgan. Um, and I, I found that in myself when my anger was so, so prominent in my life. Um, and I started learning about the, you know, the green, yellow, and red zones. And my first thing was, well, I don't, I don't have yellow. I go from green to yeah. red, but you said it just now. And you're so right. It's that I was living in a constant state of yellow. Yeah. And, um, and so any little trigger, it would, I would just explode like, like your example of a volcano. And yeah. when we speak of boundaries too, and not meeting our own needs and desires and letting, letting our boundaries be crossed by others. The one thing that I've been identifying for myself, that the same is true when I cross my own boundaries. Yeah. I don't meet my own needs and desires. I tr end up triggering my own anger. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that it's true. We can be our hardest critics, right? I think that if like, I think about the inner dialogue, even, you know, I've been working on this for, for years and years and years. And I know this is true for so many, like I would never speak to another person the way that my inner dialogue speaks to me. And it's, you know, and then when you speak to yourself so harshly, uh, it does, it triggers that anger and you get so just, it just boils over. And you know, one of the things that I've really had to work to cultivate um, is is self-compassion and learning how to um, take a moment when I'm having a moment of, you know, suffering or uh, discomfort or feelings that you don't want to have, um, being quicker to recognize when that's coming up. So, and I try to think about like anger is such an important emotion because it's sort of like, you know, being able to feel if the stove is hot, like you put your hand on the stove. If it's hot, you remove it real quick. And anger does the same things for us when we are experiencing, oh, this isn't right, or this boundary is being crossed, or I'm being mistreated. It's like the heat on the stove, and it's like a really strong thing. The challenge is getting yourself to not just keep your hand on the stove, but to feel it, experience it, remove the hand. And I think that's a skill that most of us aren't really taught as we're growing up. One, we're taught to fear anger. We're taught to repress it and keep it under the surface and definitely don't show it, especially as women, don't show that you're angry. Um, and so in a way that just is keeping our hand on the stove and we're not allowing ourselves to fully express it because feelings just want to be seen, um, seen, felt and expressed in a healthy way. Um, so for me, the way that I have been trying to continually train my brain is, oh, anger. Oh, hi. Noticing that it's there. That's the mindfulness part. Um, giving myself like, oh, this is a moment of, of suffering. This is a, this is a hard time. Um, this is a self-compassion break. Kristen Neff and Christopher Grummer kind of have created this whole body of work for, called mindful self-compassion. And it has really been helpful, but the self-compassion break is like noticing when you're having 
a feeling, um, naming it, and then connecting to common humanity. Like, I'm not alone. Because a lot of times with anger um, and these very big, fiery emotions, we tend to think, I'm the only one who's ever experienced this. And we all know that this is not true. There are, like, how many billion people on the planet? Somebody, even at this moment, is probably experiencing a similar type of thing. So you can say, you know, all there are, are many, many people and people experience anger. This is a human emotion. And then you gave yourself kind of like a reassuring touch. So I always like put my hand on my chest and I kind of have these little mantras that I say to myself, may I forgive myself for his, my imperfections. May I love and accept myself just for who I am. You know, may I be peaceful? May I be kind? Like, just may I be kind to myself? Like, some little reassuring mantra. And I can do that in, like, a very quick turnaround. I can do it when I'm triggered in a meeting. I can catch myself. I can um, do it while the other person is talking, put my hand on my heart or on my leg. And that is a trigger to me to remember to bring in that kindness to myself, to be able to say, oh, this is a hard moment and you're feeling it and it's okay because that's that's part of being human. Um, and so that tool has really been such a helpful um, way of, you know, reconnecting myself to that kinder voice and quieting that hypercritical voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you said that, that touch, I, I do that a lot for myself. Yeah. Um, I put my heart, my, my heart, my hands on my heart and um, it just kind of, it brings me back to myself for a mm -hmm. moment and it, it kind of, you know, when I go in for that deep breath, I feel more connected and like, I feel like I can have a more expansive breath where it can, it can calm me down. Um, so I like how you, how you mentioned that, like even in a meeting, even when you're around people, just, just have that moment to yourself. It doesn't have to be, you know, other people probably won't even notice it. You just have to have that, that moment with yourself. And then when you can bring in that kindness and that compassion for yourself, um, you can have that same compassion for others. Yeah, it does. And what I have found is like a lot of times people want to jump to like compassion for others because that's like the noble thing to do. Um, but really I have to find it in myself first before I can truly give it to others. Otherwise it's more performative, the compassion for others. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's coursework around this uh, mindful based, what is it? Mindful self-compassion. It's like an eight week um, mindfulness program similar to MBSR, mindful-based stress reduction. And um, I've taken the course, I've done, you know, multiple day-long retreats and just continually learning and developing that skill. And what I love about that body of work is there's like the formal meditation where you're sitting down and, and doing a meditation and then, but there's a lot of just those little mindfulness practices, like in the moment, catching it, having that touch and having that kind of programming of like those, those mantras that will help you to, to bring in um, your own reconnection in the moment. So it's a, it's a wonderful, beautiful body of work. And I highly recommend it to everyone. <laughs> I think we all need it. 
Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think we all need it for sure. Um, Morgan, early in the conversation, you mentioned uh, that it was when you got married and you had kids that things kind of blew up, right? Yeah. And I can relate with that it, it, more so after having my daughter. And um, and I think a lot of, of women with children can relate to that too. It's like having a child just changes everything. And like you said, everything you know, that from the, from that was leading up to that moment of having a child, getting married, having a child, you know, you were doing all the things, right. You wanted to, to, you know, have that professional life and you were just high achiever, go, go, go. And we don't realize that when we are in that moment of, you know, because a lot of us are so ambitious and we really are high achievers and we're, we're in that momentum of go, 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 push, push, push. And we set those expectations on ourselves. We don't realize that that whole time we're really crossing those those boundaries on ourselves, right? And then when we have kids and we enter a different chapter in our life, it's like it just kind of explodes and we realize like, oh, something is not working for me here. Something is not right. Um, and so what I'd like to know from you, all of those things that you were striving for, I'll say pre-marriage, pre-kids, have do you still find passion in those now? Um, and if so, how have you been able to kind of integrate them into your life and finding that, I'm going to say it, that quote unquote balance, I guess you can say, where you can, you know, meet yourself at your passion, but then also, um, yeah, just hold, hold the boundary for yourself and not cross, not cross it by overachieving. Yeah. I yeah I think like yeah the overachieving was like in effect like a perfectionism aspect of me and I I you know when I start to feel insecure I notice that perfectionism starts to really show up and so I think it's gonna be for me something that I get to work on for a very long time for like my whole life but it's like dancing with it and being in relationship with it rather than it just driving the show. And um, so what I have found now in my, you know, I still work and I, you know, have a business and I have a family and we do go out and do fun things. But what I am constantly working on is just like, how can I make this easier? How can I flow with this? How can I be okay with it being just okay? Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to be emotionally all into my work all day, all the time. And even though the work that I'm doing, I'm very passionate about, I'm very, um, it's, it's, it's charged. Like there's a lot of conflict in the work that I do. Um, But how can I like work to think about showing up to work at about 50 or 60%. And then when I leave the office, leave the office and allow it to be what it's going to be. And be a little bit more okay with disappointing people. It's so hard. Um, 
So for me, I have been able to find that volume dial in a way. And sometimes, yeah, I do need to turn up the volume on work and I can do that. And then other times I can turn it down and same with the family and same with my business and same with, you know, recreation. And it's all about really being able to, um, Clearly identify where a focus is and what the need is. Be honor my energy and that it's, you know, it's a finite thing and um, adjust and be okay with pivoting. Um, if the pandemic taught us anything, it's like, oh, I can pivot. I can pivot, 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 and um, it will all be okay. Um, so now what I find is like I am less victim to all the circumstances going on around on around me. And I work to be very empowered in the way and intentional in the way that I'm setting up my time. Is it perfect? No, <laughs> not at all. But I am much more approaching life with a how can I attitude until a, instead of a, oh, it's all happening to me. There's nothing I can do about it. And I think that that is... Um, for me, the pathway to freedom of like, oh, this is happening. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, how can I change it? Instead of, oh, woe's me. Oh my God, I can't believe it. I'm so angry. And, you know, all the the emotional turmoil that might come from mm -hmm. um, changes. Yeah, and I think, you know, going on what you said too, self-compassion is such um, an important variable in shifting from that victim mentality. Yeah, huge, huge. The other, I mean, we could talk all the tools and all the things, you know, one of the um, really powerful um, approaches that you and I, I, you know, I share in the community all the time is the work of Byron Katie. And to me, when I first discovered the work, I was absolutely blown away that every thought that I was thinking didn't have to be true. It was like all of a sudden this huge light bulb went off when I realized that I can have a choice in the way that I see the world. And I can choose to look at the world through this lens of suffering and pain and hardship or freedom, love, peace, and compassion. And that both those thoughts can be equally true. And it's really just like, hmm, how do I wanna see? So the work of Byron Katie allowed me to get more curious with what I was thinking and feeling and have a much more expansive ability to look at a particular situation and see a lot more possibilities of how different options might be true. So for those who don't know, the Byron Katie developed, it's simple, so simple, it's just four questions. Is it true? Can you absolutely know beyond a shadow of doubt that it's true? How do you react when you feel that thought or think that thought? And then who would you be without the thought? And then you do a series of what she calls turnarounds, which is like, basically you hold the situation in the middle and you look at it from so many different angles and you think about, oh, what are all the different ways that this could be seen differently? 
And for, for me, what that does is it helps me identify when I'm really in that victim stance or when my mindset is really in that martyr victim, you know, mentality and to be able to shift to more self-compassion um, because I'm like, oof, that's triggering that, you know, piece of me or oh, that poor little child in me who's feeling unsafe is really kind of rearing her head and I know that I can comfort and love her and it helps me to like move through the program and I think that was being able to question my thoughts and knowing how to do that and then the self-compassion piece have been two of the most powerful um, tools that I've been able to use to really shift myself from that victim mode to feeling more empowered. Yeah. I, when I was first introduced to the work of Byron Katie, I think like many of us, it's work that a lot of us resist because it's emotionally uncomfortable, but it is so incredibly powerful. It really is. And when you, when you can look at it from a different angle, like you were saying, kind of put it in the middle, look at all the different possibilities and different ways you can look at it. Look at that thought. And when you start exploring that, you think, oh, and then there's so many times that I've walked away with an aha and I'm like, oh yeah, this other way of thinking of it is equally as true as the way I have been thinking of it. And it's just, it can be so freeing. Um, And Morgan, I just love that, you know, your story is so telling in the sense that from where you came from and how all of the work that you've done to get to where you are now. And of course it's still, it's still, you know, you're still doing the work. It's a journey, right? It's never ending. Um, but, and now you are, you know, it's just, you're just a beautiful example of someone who's been, been to where a lot of us are at low, pulled yourself out of it. And now you're, you're basically passing that on and helping other women. Um, so I would love for you to, to take some time and really share, about the work that you do in your, um, you know, in your business with coaching, how do you help women? What tools do you offer and how, how can people work with you? I'd love for you to share that because I just think it's so incredible. You know, you're just, just such a true example of someone who has been there, has done the work, has been able to find, like you said, that breath, um, and where, you know, you can find that freedom, even though you're not out on that boat anymore you know, you can still find that freedom within you. And I just think it's, so how can, how do you help women today? Yeah. Thank you so much. And you know, what happened for me is I started to feel so good that I couldn't stop myself from sharing it. I just thought, wow, like our world needs more powerful, empowered, happy, content, loving, compassionate you know, joyful um, women. And, you know, we, you know, I, I just was like, I have to, I have to be part of helping others to do this. And, you know, I'm a, if you know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram four. So I just, I'm all emotions all the time. I love it. Um, bright sunshine, yellow on the different, you know, there's all the different <laughs> personality types. So Um, I work with women in a lot of different ways. Um, and for me, what's most important is to create a customized approach based on what it is that that person is experiencing. So I don't 
tend to do like a cookie cutter, oh, you have to go through this and that. I, I tend to really want to talk with somebody, understand more of what their situation is, and then work together to think about what is it going to take to really move the needle to address that situation. So I do one-on-one -on -one work with people in that capacity, and we do a lot of really creative um, visual planning, kind of where you are now and understanding where you want to go. We draw a big picture and we use that to help frame um, the direction. And we can integrate a lot of different tools. So I'm trained as a spiritual hypnosis in um, spiritual hypnotherapy. I'm a Reiki master. I obviously do the work of Byron Katie, mindful self-compassion. I do a lot of um, working with people to help them understand and learn how to connect more with nature because that's a huge healing modality for me. Um, lots of work on gratitude and then just like showing up every week and knowing where to focus and helping to redirect when um, things get off base. So that's kind of the, the one-on-one -on -one type environment. And then I also am offering some group experiences. So um, every quarter I try to offer what I call a nature-based retreat. So it's a mini introductory retreat um, based around the seasons. So every shift in the season is an opportunity to kind of touch back in with yourself and say, okay, what is the season that's coming and how do I want to be in that season? What's coming up for me? Where are the pain points? Where is the flow? And um, what, what does this place on the planet really, the energy of that that transition really bring to me? So in that um, retreat, it's either virtual, so I really encourage people to connect with where they live because I think that's a very important um, part of growth is, you know, knowing your plants, knowing the animals, feeling the migration of the birds, feeling the um, change in the temperature and really tuning in to that place and your relationship with that place. So I do like create this as a way that people can do it at home or they can come join me in Washington state. And I, I do it here too. Um, and in that we are practicing gratitude. We are practicing mindful self-compassion. We're practicing creative expression um, it, through, you know, various activities. Uh, and we are also learning how to really connect with the land, the, the place. So those happen roughly every quarter, um, three or four times a year. Sometimes I, I will take a season off. And then the big thing that I am working on right now is um, wilderness experiences for people where we can um, take this journey of the inner work and this adventure outdoor wilderness experience and bring them together. So kind of going out so that you can go in. And in those wilderness trips, I'm so amazed by the amount of growth that happens because it really forces you to be clear on your boundaries. It really forces you to have some difficult conversations that maybe you are avoiding. And it um, forces you to be quiet because you're out in the wilderness for, you know, six to seven or five to seven days and uh, you have no cell phone service. You have no dings on your phone, no emails coming in. And 
you know, it's a very much a forced break from your day to day, you know, stepping away from your children. How do you trust that they're going to be okay? All of these things that come up as you enter into that space. So those are three kind of primary ways that I tend to um, like to work with people. But again, it's all very much driven by um, customizing, approaching, co-creating, and pivoting as, as needed so that it can be really of highest service to everybody else. That is awesome. And I love how you do that. It's just not cookie cutter, right? That you yeah. really take the time to listen to each individual person and their needs. So that's, that's awesome. Um, I, so I was saying to you before we got on the call that, and I'm just like, I'm finding myself, you know, now I'm like, kind of like excited a little bit. Um, when I first came into our community and I, I first met Morgan, um, <laughs> our mentor went on a wilderness retreat with you, uh, to Alaska, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, who is this woman? Um, this wild woman, right? And I never ever thought as myself as someone who would crave kind of like such a wilderness adventure like that. But I was so intrigued by it. And um, I'm still so intrigued by everything that you do. And I and like I said to you at the beginning of the call, I swear I'm going to find myself on one of your adventures one of these days because I just think it's so amazing um and yeah there's something inside of me that's like I gotta do this I can't wait you're welcome (laughs) come on out um you know one of the things that happens for me when I take that time for myself is that one I realize how simple life can be that like I don't need all the stuff I don't need all the input um, to be happy and to feel content. And so that's one thing that always happens. The other thing that I think is fascinating is, you know, you're out there, you're, you know, you haven't showered for a week or whatever. And I feel so beautiful. (laughs) I just feel so powerful and, um, just so connected to myself. And, it's really a surprising thing that happens for me of like, wow, like I am really good. And to me, like I come back from those experiences, just feeling so content with life, just, you know, so grateful for everything that we have. And really in the end, I think contentment is where I'm constantly um, looking for is just like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm so content and it doesn't mean that you can't have goals and dreams and hopes and desires, but to be so content in yourself to know, like, I'm okay, just as I am. And all I need is a backpack and a few friends and we've got this. (laughs) I heard someone say to me before, um, that rather than strive for happy, they strive for content. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just a beautiful, beautiful way of looking at it is just being okay with who you are, accepting all the parts of yourself, accepting all of the emotions that you have. Um, because at the end of the day, we're human, right? Yeah. So this has been such a beautiful conversation, Morgan. I'm so happy that you, um, agreed to be here today and just to share your story, share your wisdom, your life experiences and everything that you have to offer. So in just like a few, you know, a couple minutes, some final thoughts, I'd love for you to share 
just, yeah, just like final thoughts that you want to, you know, part, part with, let the listeners know. And then also where, um, where can everybody find you? And, you know, if there's anything specific that you have going on right now, you can share that too. Yeah. Final thoughts. I think because this is, we're talking about anger and kind of centering on that. I just want to share with everybody that anger is a very important and natural emotion and it's okay to feel anger and emotions want to be seen, felt, expressed in a healthy way and then released. So um, feel the anger, notice why it's there, think it and release it. And you know, my journey, like, you know, I, I've drawn anger. I have um, done the work of Byron Kate, you know, use all the resources to really get to that space of accepting. And I think that in doing that, oftentimes there's something underneath the surface of anger. If it's a boundary that's been crossed, if it's grief about a situation that you want it to be different. So be willing to be curious with those feelings. And as you begin to allow those feelings to come out and be expressed in those healthy ways, like drawing or writing or journaling and and not, you know, exploding on everybody around you, then I think that that's, that's the freedom. That's the opportunity to truly trust yourself because suddenly you are allowing yourself to have a deeper relationship with those emotions. Um, And it's possible and it's possible. So if you are somebody who experiences anger and you think that there's no way, I just want to let folks know that there is and it's possible and you can start at any time. Um, So uh, I think that's really what I would like to share. Yeah, I love that. You you just, you hit it spot on, Morgan. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So if folks are interested in um, following along or talking to me, I would, I just really love connecting with people, hearing more about your journeys and what's going on for you. So um, on Instagram, I'm probably the most uh, active at Morgan Ruff Uplift. And it's rough, like, the dog bark, not like the texture, R-U-F-F. <laughs> and then um, morganroff.com is where you can look at the uh, wilderness experiences and learn more about the customized coaching and just encourage people, if you're interested, you know, start a conversation, you can DM me and I will be thrilled to chat. Beautiful, beautiful, Morgan. Thank you so much. And didn't you say... Um, that you have a retreat coming up. I think you have like maybe one oh, this... spot left if anyone's in Oh, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the wilderness um, trip is this summer, um, July 24th through the 29th is the actual um, expedition. And then there's coaching on the front end to help you prepare emotionally as well as technically, like making sure you have the right gear. And then coaching on the back end to fully integrate and sink into the lessons that you learned. And so there is one more spot available for that trip um, this July. And it's in Washington State in the North Cascades National Park. It's absolutely spectacular um, and would love for anybody who, if this is a seed or if there's something in here that's calling you, I would love to talk more. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's great. I love it. I can't wait to join you one of these days, Morgan. I can't wait either. It's going to be great. Awesome. I, um, yeah. So for everybody listening, I definitely recommend go follow along, go see what she's up to. And like Morgan said, if there's a spark inside of you, definitely reach out to her. Um, cause even if, it, if you don't make it this July, there's going to be future opportunities for sure. Yeah. So, awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to another episode of Redefining Anger. If this resonated with you in any way, I would be so grateful if you would share this episode or the podcast with a friend, a family member, anyone that you believe may benefit from it also. If you want to stay connected, you can find me on Instagram at runningongrit at running.on.grit and follow along my journey. Do you have a story to share? A voice that's aching to be heard? Send me a DM and let's get a conversation going. My information can also be found in the show notes. I look forward to connecting with you.